Engaging Leader, Episode 32, How to Be an Enduring Leader. Does your leadership inspire trust, passion, and action? Welcome to the Engaging Leader Podcast with Jesse Leahy, consultant, writer, and speaker. Jesse has helped executives engage hundreds of thousands of people. Join us now for principles to communicate, engage, and lead with greater impact. Welcome to the show, leaders. When the going gets tough, will your team stick with you or will they abandon ship? Great leaders are able to endure and keep their people engaged through the bad times as well as the good. Today we'll be discussing the true story of Ernest Shackleton's endurance expedition, which is perhaps history's greatest adventure story and has become one of today's most often cited examples of great leadership. In late 1914, the already famous explorer Ernest Shackleton set out with a crew of 27 to pass through the South Pole and cross the Antarctic continent. But even before they reached Antarctica, their ship became trapped in a mobile ice floe and eventually was crushed by the ice. They had no radio contact, and World War I had just started, so the rest of the world forgot about them and no one came to rescue them. It took nearly three years of struggling through extreme cold, including the winter months where they lived in mostly darkness before Shackleton could bring his crew to safety, and yet he saved all 27 of them. His enduring leadership was so powerful that when Shackleton later organized another dangerous expedition, many of the same crew members were quick to sign up with him. The conversation you'll hear on this episode takes place in a much less hostile environment just after a much more enjoyable endurance event. My dad Marty and I were in southern Florida to race in a half marathon. Afterwards, reflecting on our endurance event led us to discuss the leadership lessons from Shackleton's endurance expedition. Now, as longtime listeners of The Engaging Leader know, dad and I approach these issues from different perspectives that make for an interesting dynamic. My background is in leadership communication, and dad's is in finance and operations based on his experience as a CFO for a few organizations and more recently for the past 10 years as owner of a restaurant and catering business. In this conversation, we discuss four lessons we learned from Shackleton about being an enduring leader. Several of the insights we share are from a best-selling book by Carolyn Alexander and a podcast interview by Nancy Kane from Harvard Business School. At the end of our show, I'll show you how you can access those resources. The months continued to go by. The, the winter came and went, and even though summer came, the ice didn't let up. They still were stuck on the ice. So eventually, though, they were able to, enough open water to get in the, was it four boats they had? Three boats, I Three think. boats, essentially lifeboats, and were able to set a course for the closest land that they could find and ended up landing, for the first time getting on land in almost a year and a half, a place called Elephant Island. Uninhabited, completely desolate, very much a blizzardy place, not a, a place that you could actually sustain life for very long. In fact, Shackleton realized within the first 36 hours that they had to get off of that island pretty quickly. 
and he informed his men immediately that they were going he was going to choose five shipmates they were going to take one of the lifeboats and make it seaworthy as best they could so Shackleton sets off in essentially an open boat with five other guys at this point it, it's all it's pretty much hopeless this is a complete hail mary but he's got to do his best to save his men because they've been gone for months they have zero contact with civilization there's no radio contact of course they don't have gps they have basic instrumentation they're using a sextant and they're going to try to go attempt 800 miles and land at, at south georgia island which is the closest inhabited island it's almost hopeless in, in blizzardy hurricane like boat, weather a 22 foot boat that they've stretched the canvas over to sort of simulated a lower deck and an upper deck so they have some cover underneath they could take turns quote sleeping if you can imagine and you know no power other than a single masted sail and some oars they take a little over two weeks and amazingly thanks to the whole crew and especially thanks to Worley who was the captain of the of the Endurance and became the navigator on this little boat they made it but they landed on the, the they landed on South Georgia Island. The people were on the opposite side of the island. The coastline was too treacherous to sail around, and the island had never been navigated by people on foot. There was really there was no trail or anything that people had ever crossed. So Shackleton chose two guys to go with them. They made the first ever crossing of this island. They went over mountain ranges. They got turned back by uh, certain ranges that uh, where there was no pass and it took them about 36 hours straight to cross this island and they finally made it to a camp on the other side where they were taken in and fed and brought to health and then Shackleton immediately started the work of going back to rescue the rest of his crew on Elephant Island. He tried again and again it was very difficult to procure ships that could make that crossing and that could go through ice. Most ships and resources were being consumed in World War I, so he, there was not much interest in helping him. And he repeatedly was turned back by too much ice in the way. It actually took five months to make it to Elephant Island and rescue the remaining 20-some men that were there. But he made it, and he succeeded in rescuing all of his men. There was not a single life lost. It's just a, an incredible tale of dogged determination and perseverance and it just seemed just at so many points on this trek home that they really feared one enemy and that one enemy was loss of hope or you know any any thought of quitting. You know it just seemed like there was always the the leadership of Shackleton and the optimism of Worley and the expertise of all these guys who were just some of the best sailors in the world with the technology that they had at the time. But against every odd, the one thing they always had in their favor was that they, that they had the hope and the leadership to persevere and, and to make it. This is really a testimony to, to some great endurance and leadership. And we wanted to cover what we thought were four major themes that weave through this whole story of the endurance and, and Ernest Shackleton. That's right. The four keys to enduring leadership, as demonstrated by Shackleton, 
And the first one is actually a repeat of something we talked about last time in episode 31, which is focus on one goal at a time. And one of the reasons why this is so important is that, as you mentioned, they had one big challenge, which was the sense of hopelessness. To have the clarity and the energy to focus on a single goal at a time was extremely powerful for Shackleton. Of course, when he started the, the mission, his goal was to pass through the South Pole and cross the Antarctic continent and do it all safely. We saw that he had a history of putting safety over achievement, so it was, it was definitely safety was a part of that goal. But he had this grand mission which was all about fame and glory and scientific endeavor. But it was to accomplish that, go through the South Pole, get all the way across the continent. But then when he realized that they were not going to meet that goal, he shifted over to a new goal. But there was always only one goal at a time. And the new goal became to save all these men, get all these men home safely. And over and over again, he didn't want to lose a single one. That was, that was 100% his focus. And his men totally trusted him to make that happen. He almost changed in a dime. When he realized that the ice owned the ship, and that he realized that the mission had all of a sudden changed. And his goal of getting men back was almost an extreme way in which he approached it. it. He was constantly looking out for the needs of the men. A lot of times the emotional needs of the men, uh, other times physical. I think as leaders, it's extremely difficult but necessary to, to laser, get a laser focus on a single goal. In, in my coaching of so many uh, business leaders, this is one of the, the toughest things to do because as leaders, we're, we see so many challenges and opportunities and we see the we don't want to give up lose that opportunity and we don't want to let that challenge overtake us and so we oh, this is important and of course that's important and of course that's important and as leaders since we see everything it's almost a little bit easier for us to rest, still recognize but yes but that's more important and there's this you know in a nuanced way this is a priority but it's less important but when you communicate to your people they don't see everything that we do and it ends up just being a jumble of confusion. And so even though Shackleton sort of had one big goal and he, that's what he communicated and that's what he had everybody hoping with, he recognized smaller objectives that needed to happen to meet that goal. But that was sort of something that he managed within himself, but he made it very clear to his men, we're going to get home safe. Everything was subservient to, to that one goal. So things like managing their food uh, supply, the guy that was in charge of that, to him that molehill was a mountain. That guy was always fussing over how much food they had left and he was counting it over and over again and he would be bothered when Shackleton would say, well it's Christmas, let's break open the, the fun food and, and make this festive and, and that really bothered the guy. But Shackleton although he was mindful of making sure that their food lasted, he recognized the importance of making a special occasion matter. So he kept the big goal of getting all these guys home safely, and big part of that was managing this danger of hopelessness. That was the worst thing that could happen, was that they would become hopeless. A second major key that Shackleton understood to being an enduring leader was emotional intelligence. For example, he was afraid of what they were going through. There were some terrifying circumstances that was going on. In addition, a lot of times his men 
were acting inappropriately. They were, they were raising a potential mutiny against him, questioning his leadership. Some of them were becoming fearful or panicky. And instead of reacting to those, he responded in an appropriate way. And so he managed the energy. He saw himself as a, the energy leader for that group. It is, it's almost like a, a doting uh, father at times. You know, he, he was just, uh, at times when he could just see that the men were really pushed to a breaking point, he would just order that they make some bunch of hot chocolate and, and share it. Or, you know, an extra ration of, of some, you know, special nut mixture that was kind of their treat. It sounds simple, but recognizing the importance that food can have uh, and I think, just I'm going to sound a little sexist here, but I think men in particular don't always appreciate that food can make a difference. And, and serving appropriate foods, whether uh, to celebrate something or in, in his case, just to warm, serving a warm food when everyone was cold and miserable made all the difference in the world. Another example that he, of, of thing, things that he did that maybe a lot of leaders wouldn't have thought to do were to create certain activities. So one thing, for example, every crew member every single day had certain tasks that they were responsible for. Now they're just in a camp on the, on the ice. Surely those chores weren't all that important. But he found chores for them to do every day. He held them responsible so they had to be active. They also felt that their work was important to the team and so they felt needed. There wasn't anybody... It, again, this was just keeping people from falling into mm -hmm. that trap of hopelessness. Gave them a purpose, a, a purpose in every day of their life there. Right. In addition to those daily tasks that they had to do, he organized recreational activities. There were sports that were going on. They played soccer out on the ice. The, he had guys that were out exploring the ice. He had guys that were responsible for taking care of their dogs. Uh, they had skits in the evenings. He had certain... Uh, guys that were responsible for playing music. So he, he organized a lot of those types of events that I think many of us leaders were so focused on, let's get this done, let's get this done, let's get this done. We forget that we are also need to be responsible to be the energy leaders, and that just requires emotional intelligence. One other aspect of emotional intelligence, I think he recognized some of the pitfalls that were happening. And so, you, you know, the old phrase... Keep your friends close and your enemies closer. Mm -hmm. When he, he didn't just keep his friends around him, he recognized certain people that were potential troublemakers. There was one guy who was a, a bully. Well, Shackleton made sure he kept that guy close to him. There was the guy that we talked about earlier who was, uh, came very close to starting a mutiny, uh, who was a carpenter. And he, from then on, he kept that carpenter very close to him. Once he won the initial confrontation that could have been a mutiny, for, he, he kept that guy close to him and he gave him special assignments to sort of manage that guy's energy and, and diffuse any potential negative energy. The third key we want to talk about is perseverance. Of course, we know from the name of his ship, the Endurance, that this, was, this concept of endurance or perseverance was important to him. In fact, it was his family motto. When he found a worthy goal, he just wouldn't give up. He was a... Just dogged pursuit, and again, other than the the feared enemy of hopelessness, it, it it almost seemed that there was no obstacle that they they just didn't ultimately overcome. When you just thought that the odds were so against them, you know, I think of when they were the first humans to cross 
South Georgia Island. Three or four times they would advance up this very slippery slope for a long time, only to get to the top and realize they had to backtrack because <laughs> there was nowhere to go after that. Yeah. And and you think surely after the second time that they just gonna lay down and die. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, these guys were pushed beyond anything you could possibly imagine, yet they just keep going on. There's really nothing can stop them other than hopelessness, and they, they're not going to allow that to happen. Put yourself in the place of the 22 men who were left back on Elephant Island. It's practically impossible that they would even make it to Elephant Island, and yet here they are, and now their leader has gone off and said, I'm going to travel in an open boat for 800 miles in the, in the treacherous, stormy, wintry sea in darkness, and... I hope we're going to land on this tiny dot of an island and we're going to bring back help for you guys. Now, I would think that was an entirely hopeless situation that, number one, most likely the six guys in the boat are going to die. Or, if they do make it, they're going to save themselves. They're not going to put themselves back into danger and come get me. They're going to forget all about me because most guys would. But at this point, Shackleton had already proven himself again and again and again to persevere, to endure, to keep going after that one goal. And so these 22 guys still trusted him. I mean, they did not lose hope. They waited month after month after impossible month. Five months goes by. It, it was only a two-week trip. And yet they didn't give up hope. They were When he finally arrived there, they were still looking for him on the beach every day. They were watching for him. It's just amazing. Think what would happen if... In our businesses, in our nonprofit organizations, and the other teams that we lead, if people knew that once we had identified and communicated a worthy goal, that we were not going to give up no matter what. They couldn't even conceive of him not making it, probably, because they know the guy was just so absolutely determined and focused to do what he said he was going to do. And just an amazing guy. What's the fourth? The last point? key we're going to look at today is the courage to change. Wow. almost sounds like a contradiction to what we just said about persevering and enduring. There were so many times that people had hope because they believed that Shackleton knew the right thing to do next, that he had an idea of how this is all going to work out. He's the leader. He sees all the variables. So they trusted him. So there would be times when he would be going down a certain path and he ultimately realized it was a mistake. Now, some leaders are going to sit there and think, wow, if I go, I'm going to try to make this somehow work so people don't lose confidence in my ability. It, it takes a certain amount of courage to say, you know what, we're going to backtrack here. I, I've figured this wrong. This is not the right way to go. We're going to go over here. And and still be able to pull off that, that confidence that your men have to have in you because, once again, the, the enemy of hopelessness is just lurking. One of his big mistakes was he moved their camp on the ice. They had set up for themselves a pretty safe, comfortable camp that, that would have allowed them to continue to exist for months. And at some point, he, got the, he just got really antsy and thought, let's make a go of it. Even though they had already proven themselves that they were unable to move their gear because they had, even though they had brought sled dogs with them, they had not actually prepared. One of his earlier even earlier mistakes was he didn't actually have a crew that was any crew that was truly trained in managing sled dogs. So the dogs were just worthless. They were ended up being pets, which was helpful to a certain extent, but basically they were consuming resources. 
So he, they had proven that they couldn't actually move their gear. They, they, they tried and tried for a few days and, and only managed to go a couple miles. So they set up camp, made themselves comfortable. Several weeks went by, and for some reason Shackleton said, you know what, I think that the conditions have shifted and now we can make a go. And we can, we can push on and get to land ourselves by pulling all these sleds over ice and our lifeboats over ice. So they, they tried and tried for a couple days. Again, they only went a few miles, and now they were farther away from their, all their gear that they had left back on the, on the original camp, and it was too far to go back, and it was too far to schlep that prior gear. So now they were stuck in a less favorable spot with less gear. It was a big mistake. Men, the men knew it. I mean, they knew it was a mistake when they were leaving. Half of them really were against going, but he was their leader. So he, he did have, he made mistakes, and all leaders mistake, make mistakes, but he, number one, he owned his mistakes, he owned the situation, and he owned the outcome, and he would, didn't let himself dwell in that failure. He said, okay, well that didn't work, now we're going to do this. He wasn't just taking off in a direction thoughtlessly, he was a man of thoughtful action, but he had the courage to change when it was necessary, and so they trusted him to do that. And when they landed on Elephant Island, there's a phrase called showing the math that gets talked a lot about. Do you remember back in your uh, algebra years of school, they would teach you how to solve a, an algebra problem, and if you took a test and you got the answer wrong, but if, if they saw that you were on the right track when you worked it out, they might give you partial credit. And so that, for, that became known as showing the math. When, when a leader does that to a certain extent, and, and it, in other words, you're communicating, I, I think we're going to go this way, we're still kind of working out the details, but these are the factors that we're thinking about, but I've got these emotional issues, and you probably are thinking the same thing. It increases your credibility as a leader. Basically, within 24 hours of landing on Elephant Island, he acknowledged, well, boys, we're not in a very good spot here. We're going to move over there. And they got over there, and they found it really wasn't any better. And he said, well, boys, then we got, it's, we got to get off this island. And so here's what I'm thinking. And he started to outline this plan that they were gonna of of five six of them going off in a in a lifeboat. It took a couple more days to get that plan fully together and get the boat ready. And so he was he kept sharing with them, this is what we're currently planning, this is what we're currently planning. So he had the courage to change and he had the courage to show the math as he went along. And so his men trusted him, they got the context, they didn't feel like that he was making changes just on the spot or without proper strategy behind it. Well, Jess, uh, as far as the, the, the whole journey goes, I, I think another thing that, that Caroline writes about them shows a lot of insight. She says, The mystique that Shackleton acquired as a leader may partly be attributed to the fact that he elicited from his men strength and endurance they had never imagined they possessed. He enabled them. You know, what a thing to say about it. Absolutely. Leader. His, his uh, expedition was a failure, and it, to meet its original goal of getting to the South Pole and then crossing the Antarctic. He did meet his primary goal of saving all the men, however. There was not a single life lost. And a few years later, he organized another expedition to Antarctica, and it's noteworthy that many of that crew came from this very crew that was on the endurance with him. So these men, even though that, that expedition was such a flop, they saw him as an enduring leader and they wanted to be a part of what he was doing. And that type of legacy that Shackleton left 
was known far and wide and, and even uh, known to the crew of other expeditions. In fact, one of Scott's team, we talked about Scott on our last episode, on his team on the, on the Terra Nova expedition, which was uh, uh, not the one where Scott died, but a pr- prior one, his name was Apsley Cherry Gerard. He wrote this, For a joint scientific and geographical piece of organization, give me Scott. For a winter journey, Wilson. For a dash to the pole and nothing else, Amundsen. And if I'm in the devil of a hole and want to get out of it, give me Shackleton every time. If you want to make a leader who's going to do everything it takes for the sake of the team, not just meeting the goal, but to actually cares about the team, Shackleton is the guy you want. And so these were the four keys that we looked at today for how to be an enduring leader. Number one, focus on one goal at a time. Number two, emotional intelligence. Number three, perseverance. And number four, the courage to change. All right, leaders, to wrap up today's episode, let me recommend two resources to you. First, the best-selling book by Carolyn Alexander, which includes amazing photographs by Shackleton's crew. The book is The Endurance, Shackleton's Legendary Antarctic Expedition, and a recent interview on Harvard's IdeaCast with Nancy Kane, Harvest Business School historian. We'll put links to those resources in our show notes for this episode, which you'll find at engagingleader.com forward slash 32. And while you're on the show notes page, feel free to provide your thoughts or questions in the comments section. Or you can connect with us at the Facebook page for Engaging Leader. And by the way, thank you to several folks for recently liking our Facebook page and helping get the word out. Jordan from South Yarmouth, Massachusetts, Reginald from Wyoming, and Paul from Tulsa. In case you missed it, be sure to listen to our previous episode, 31, which is the first of this two-part series on Lessons from the South Pole. It's called Four Ways You Can Be That Lucky Leader People Want to Follow. And it features leadership lessons from the true story of the race to be the first explorer to reach the South Pole. You can find it at engagingleader.com forward slash 31. This is a production of Aspendale Communications, a consulting firm where my colleagues and I partner with mid-sized and large employers to attract top talent, engage employees, and deliver superior business results. Find out more at AspendaleCommunications.com. Our thanks to Joe Sherwood, our producer, James Marler, our sound engineer, Cliff Ravenscraft, our podcasting advisor, Rick Tarrant, our announcer, and Christopher Seal, who composed our theme music. Until next time, remember, whether you realize it or not, you are always communicating and leading. Let's make the most of our opportunities to engage the people we care about.